Well, the title of the message this morning is The Importance of Discipleship in the Christian Life. The Importance of Discipleship in the Christian Life. I truly believe that one of the single most reasons why churches in America are in decline is because their foundations are flawed. I believe that. I want to take us back for just a moment to the Great Commission. We highlighted it, uh, the first aspect of Matthew 28 and 19, especially highlighting the word go, which literally, as we have said, as you are going, uh, as we have the opportunity to see people and uh, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, um, we must be ready to help that person become grounded in their faith. If this doesn't happen, spiritual growth will not happen, or it will happen extremely slow at best. In other words, once someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they must be discipled. It's a very great flaw. If I were to ask every one of us in this room this morning, do you believe in discipleship? No doubt we would probably have and hear an emphatic yes. I believe it's biblical. Where we may differ is how that discipleship takes place. Over the last couple of years, we've talked about different aspects of the gospel getting out. We've talked about what the gospel is and how it impacts and changes a life. But the reality of it is, once someone accepts the gospel, they need to grow. They need to build that foundation, that spiritual grounding, so that they'll be able to live the life that God has called them to live. Amen? So that has to happen. Uh, Several months ago, I asked the question, how many of you, when you came to faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, had somebody who took you aside and said, hey, let me help your foundation get built strong? Very few people raised their hand. And yet, it should be a core of what we believe, what we do as children of God. So once again, we wouldn't necessarily disagree on the idea and the philosophy that discipleship must take place. Where we often disagree is how it takes place. But I also believe that if you don't plan a discipleship method, the plan is simply not doing it. And I think that's what has made a lot of churches across America flawed in their ability to grow in Christ. So this morning, I really want to just look at a couple of things. In fact, in your bulletins this morning, you have a handout uh, that basically has the outline that I'm going to follow. If you want to do that, that's great. But basically, I'm just going to look at two points of discipleship this morning. And then at the very end, we'll have an opportunity to see that come to fruition as far as an opportunity to get involved with it as a church. But the first thing I want to look at this morning is the mandate to make disciples. The mandate to make disciples. You see, when Jesus Christ said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the first reference there, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, the idea of going is not just a good suggestion. It's not just something that might be worthwhile. It says, go and do this. It was a mandate that was given. Now, this whole idea of what, who are, I'm sorry, who was received the command, obviously was the initial disciples. Those that were there when Christ ascended. And if you go on, you'll see that in Acts chapter 1. But the bottom line is, as they were go out, they were to what? Share their faith, see other people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then to teach them in the apostles' doctrine. So the bottom line is that the mandate to make disciples was not just a suggestion, it wasn't just a good idea, it was a mandate to go and do it. And we see that there are at least three things here that they were to do and accomplish. Number one, to make disciples. 
A disciple is somebody who learns everything that his master has to teach him. Very simply put, we've heard all kinds of different ideas and definitions, but very simply put, to make disciples literally means to teach somebody everything that you can teach them. So, as they were to go out, as they were going, and remember we've said this many times, the church goes to work, the church goes to the grocery store, the church goes to the gas station, the church goes to school, uh, the church talks to the next door neighbor, the church is out and about, because remember, the church is not these four walls, right? The church goes out into public, the church goes out into community, and they share their faith. And remember, we've said this so many times, that the, most, the simplest way to share your faith is simply to tell someone else what Jesus Christ has done in your life. So if you've got a story, you've got something to tell someone that could impact their life for all eternity. But once they accept the gospel, once they accept faith in Jesus Christ, we are to make disciples of them. Not only that, baptizing them, but number two, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. So making disciples, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. So the bottom line is this. There's an idea there that they are to be taught. How does that happen? And this, once again, is where we sometimes differ in the idea of how discipleship takes place. Some people have the idea, well, if I just show up at church, that's all I need. If I just show up, I'm going to get everything I need to help me grow. And I just want to sell you up here as a pastor. No, you won't. You won't. I can't teach you everything that you need to know from up here. I'll do my best to try to do that, but I will promise you I will fall woefully short. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you need to have somebody who is going to continue to teach you and help you get grounded in your faith. So we're to go, we're to make disciples, we're to baptize them, we're to uh, teach them to observe everything that we have commanded you, Jesus says. And remember, we don't have to do it alone. Jesus Christ is with us. But here's the thing, are you doing it? Well, that was given to the disciples, right? But what were the disciples to do? They were to go, they were going to teach others, who would teach others, who would teach others, who would teach others, who would teach others. And the process never stops. So, question, where are you at in that process? Where are you at in investing into the life of another to help them get grounded in the faith? So, well, I give to missions and then they do it. No, that's not part of the process. Not this process. We need to be involved in a life of discipleship. I really do believe that. And honestly, I'm not just up here talking about an idea that, well, you know, some of you are really gifted towards teaching. You should be involved in teaching. I'm talking about every one of us who knows Jesus Christ as our Savior being involved in discipleship. So what is the outcome of the process? We see that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And I think we see at least four things here. Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? Verse 10, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. The first thing I want to highlight here is in verse 10, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Well, what does that mean to walk worthy? Um, I'm going to tell a little story, and hopefully you won't laugh too hard at me, but, you know, I've always said for many years, if something sounds way too good to be true, it is just simply way too good to be true. Well, when I was in college one particular summer, I had a, a fellow in our home church who owned a Kirby vacuum cleaner distribution center. 
And he goes, man, I can help you make all kinds of money this summer. And uh, you can go out and door to door, and you can do this and this and this. I mean, as soon as somebody opens the door down that road, I'm just like, nah, not happening. But, uh, you know, he talked to my parents, and my parents were like, yeah, you got to go give it a try. You know, just show up, you know, go over to the thing. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not going to make me do this. Well, they did. So I went over there the first day. And there's this big yay, rah, rah morning meeting and everyone gets their big cheer on before they go out door to door and hit their contacts. And uh, I can remember all of a sudden two people came late to the meeting. I kid you not, they had a three ring binder full of Kirby songs. I'm not kidding you, whatever that means, Kirby songs. And they had to each pick one and sing it in front of the entire group. I looked at my brother and said, we are never going to be late. This is not happening. And we weren't because we never went back. So, uh, But here's the idea. They had a product, and they wanted you to stand behind the product so that you could know everything about it, no matter what the question was, you could answer it intelligently, right? I mean, you had to buy into what you were selling, right? I mean, it's not like you're going to go to the door... Hey, I'm from the Kirby Distribution Center, you know, up here in such and such avenue, and uh, we just want you to know we have some t- uh, Kirby's vacuum players. They're not that bad, you know. I've seen some other ones that are better, but, you know, they're fair or fair. You wouldn't sell much, would you? If you are not convinced that that product is great, you're not going to do very well. You need to know the answers. Well, how do I take the attachments out and put this attachment on? And how do I do this with this procedure? And th- You have to know everything that there is about it to, to do well at it. That's why Jesus Christ gave us Emmanuel, the Bible, his written word to us. So as his children, we have the ability to walk worthy of the Lord which whom, with whom we represent, right? Um, God's word tells us we are his ambassadors. So as his ambassador, are we prepared to live a life that is worthy of the calling of Christian? How do we do that? We get in the Word, we learn it, we study it, we grow, we help each other, and we begin to understand what it means to be a child of God and how, how the Word of God applies to our hearts and our lives. So, first of all, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Secondly, fully pleasing to Him. Isn't that amazing phrase that He had put in there, that you would be fully pleasing to Him? You see, all of us are going to please somebody, right? We all will for somebody. We're going to please ourselves or we're going to please... God. We're going to please our parents. We're going to please God. We're going to please our employer. We're going to please God. It's a choice daily to live to please God. And he said one of the reasons that you need to know is so that you can please Him. Number three, bearing fruit in every good work. Once again, he says we are His workmanships created under good works, but not just doing a work haphazardly, not just, you know, with a little bit of energy, but doing it right so that we're going to bear fruit in every good work. And then number four, growing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the knowledge of God. God wants us to grow in Him. God wants us to have the ability to read His Word, to apply it to our hearts and our lives, and to move forward growing in the Word of God. And then in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, we see a couple more things. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. So there's the idea that the disciple is going to walk the life of, of his Master, who is Jesus, and then here's two things about it. Verse 7. Rooted and built up. Rooted. In other words, you're like, a, like an oak tree. It has deep roots growing and, and getting deeper so that it can become stronger as it grows upward. Rooted and built up. And then number two, established in the faith. 
In other words, you get into the place where you understand the Word of God and it becomes part of who you are as a child of God. So the command is clear. We must make disciples. We must not only be disciples, but we must make disciples for many reasons. And then number two, the method of making disciples. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, very familiar verses. I've said them many times, shared them many times. He personally gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So what is the process? Well, first of all, God has given people in places of leadership and authority to do the process, to get the process started. And let me just tell you, if it's not on a pastor's heart, it's not going to be on the heart of most people. So it's got to start from the top down. And let me just say this. This opportunity to be involved in discipleship has been around for several years. I haven't really pushed it terribly hard, but we're pushing it hard this year. Because we want to see everybody grounded in their faith. We want to see everybody rooted and deeply, firmly rooted in the Word of God. The very first thing I did when I got here almost a little over six years ago is that we started a form of discipleship with several of the men in our church. Today, a lot of those men are disciples. I mean, our, they're disciples, but they're the deacons of our church. I spent a year with, was it Nick? I spent a year with Brian almost, early morning at Dark 30. We are to be investing in people's lives. Question, whose life have you invested in? Whose life have you really just dug deep in and invested in? And let me just tell you, it's not always easy because... You know, work starts at 7. That means you're getting there an hour early to go through the Word of God. And it's very tiring. Man, especially Nick coming all the way from Caledonia. I appreciated that so much. And uh, several men in this church have heard me come up to them and say, listen, I really believe in discipleship. I believe that you really could benefit from getting grounded in the Word of God. You pick the time between midnight and 6 in the morning and I will meet you. I mean it. I am that serious about it. I've had nobody say I want to meet at 3 in the morning yet. But if somebody did, I would do it. Because I believe in it. And we've been doing that for six years with various people in the church. But I would love to see every one of us in this body of Christ growing in the Word of God. So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? Two reasons. To train the saints in the work of the ministry. Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You know, sometimes we don't know how to, how to do what God's called us to do. And sometimes through conversations in the Word of God and the, and the Word of God speak to our hearts and our lives, God begins to narrow the focus of what He wants you to be doing. But if you don't take that time to get in the Word of God and to learn it and to apply it to your hearts and your lives, you'll miss out on what God may have for you. So, being discipled means we're trained in the work of the ministry. And then number two, to build up the body of Christ. You see, the more people in this body that are grounded in their faith, the stronger this body becomes. Does that make sense? It's the Word of God that works in us to, to change lives. There are a million how-to books out there on the market, biblically based. There are a million self-help books that are biblically based. But none of them can do what the Word of God can do. You have to believe that. It is the one book that doesn't change. Methods change, philosophies change, but the Word of God does not. So therefore, we must be students of the Word of God. And we've said before, there are only two things that will last forever, and it's the souls of men and the Word of God. So what, what do you think we should be investing in? The Word of God. 
And then, number two, 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Next reference there. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It says, In what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what's the key principle there? Committing it to faithful people who will commit it to faithful people who will commit it to faithful people who will commit it to faithful people and so on and so forth. I want to read for you this morning an illustration taken from Bible.org about the principle of multiplication. Consider how small of the group of early disciples were with Jesus and the command to reach all the nations with the Gospel. Now think about this. Jesus wasn't out there trying to disciple the masses. He was teaching them. He was preaching to them. But the bottom line is, He really only invested in how many? Twelve. He had a small network of men that He invested and poured His life into. So, Consider how small a group that early disciples was and Jesus' command to go into all the world. How could this possibly expected, be expected and be carried out? It took Jesus over three years to train only 12 people with millions of people in the world at that time. How could the whole world possibly be reaching their reach, taking only a few at a time? Figuratively speaking, how can a very small mustard seed result in a very large tree, as Jesus indicated, how the kingdom of God would grow in Matthew 13, 31, and 32? The answer to this dilemma can be found in the principle of multiplication. So let's look at an illustration of this power of multiplication. So let me ask you this question this morning. Would you rather have someone do one of two things? Number one. Would you rather receive a million dollars every week for a year or two, one penny multiplied, doubled every week for one year? Let me ask that again. If you had the opportunity, what would you say would be of more benefit? A million dollars every week for a year or would you choose one penny doubled every week? One cent becomes two cents. Two cents become four cents. Four cents becomes eight cents. Eight becomes sixteen, and so forth. At the end of the year, option one would yield you $52 million. So that'd be all right. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Anybody think it'd be all right? You are lying. You know you want it. It's a pretty nice sum, but option two would yield you over forty million dollars, or forty trillion dollars. Excuse me, forty trillion. This is about seven hundred fifty thousand times more money. What would be better in the long run over thirty years? One, discipling ten people a year. Or two, one person every two years, that person in turn would be able to actually disciple someone else. Option one would yield 300 disciples over a lifetime. But option two would yield over 32,000 disciples, 
more than 100 times the amount of option one. The point of the principle of multiplication is for one to take enough time to make reproducing disciples. You saw it illustrated through money. You say, man, a million dollars a week for 52 weeks? Or a penny doubled? Over $40 trillion. Now, here's the process of discipleship. When I got saved, someone took me aside and said, hey, let me help you get grounded in your faith. Let me help you learn the Word of God so that you'll be able to grow and become stronger as a believer. So you'll be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. So that you'll be able to grow and learn verses that you can overcome sin and temptation. So that you know how to share your faith more effectively. So that you can know how to deal with conflict when it arises in your life, because it will arise. So you know what God wants to do, you, how God wants to use you in the body of Christ, because He wants to use you. And we begin to learn all these things that God wants and has for us to learn. And then I say, okay, for the next part of the year, I'm going to commit myself to being in the Word. But here's the principle of multiplication. When I'm done going through some material, I'm going to find another person to invest in once again. And then the person I just got done investing in for a better part of a year, they're going to find someone. And now we've got four people being discipled. And we're going to give a better part of a year again, and we're going to disciple, and I'm going to find another one, and that person's going to find another one, and that person's going to find another one, they're going to find another one. Now we have eight people being discipled. Does this make sense? The principle of multiplication is what God has for us in 2 Timothy 2.2. Faithful men who will teach other faithful men who will teach other faithful men. I would love to see this go through our entire church. Let me just go on and give you six benefits of discipleships. Six benefits. Number one, it gets you into the Word for an extended period of time. It gets you into the Word. When you make a decision and commit to discipleship, all of a sudden you've got in front of you a manual along with the Word of God and says, I'm going to get into the Word every day, every week, and I'm going to learn some things for the glory of God. It gets you into the Word. Let me just say this. Many people are not disciplined enough to have a daily routine of reading God's Word. That's just true. You might do it for a day. You might do it for two days. You might get it through a day. But most people are not disciplined enough to get in the Word of God and to study it. And by the way, that's commanded too. 2 Timothy 2.15 says what? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A what? Workman that needeth not be ashamed. And what's the last phrase? Rightly Dividing the word of truth. Let's be honest. So few people are disciplined enough to study the word of God on their own. We'll further on that. And let me just say, having a discipleship material in front of you, there's nothing magical about it. That's not one of your points. But there's nothing magical about it. There's a million discipleship manuals on the market today. We wrote our own for two reasons. A, we can edit it anytime we want, and we can reproduce it as much as we want. We don't have to go to the bookstore and buy one every time we want another set. It's just something to guide us into growth. But it gets you into the Word for an extended period of time. Number two, it stimulates your brain to think more deeply on and in the Word. It'll stimulate your brain. It'll cause you to think about some things that you wouldn't normally think about. 
because it's guided you into the Word of God. It'll stimulate your brain to think more deeply on and in the Word of God. I don't know about you, but it's easy to think about a lot of other things. Isn't it? You, you hear something on the news and all of a sudden your mind goes there. You see something on, 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 on the news tabloids that come up on your, on your smartphones and it causes you to think about that. You see, whatever we put before us is what we're going to think about. And if we would be more faithful putting the Word of God in front of us, we'd be more stimulated by that than other things. But being involved in this keeps our brains stimulated to think more deeply on and in the Word of God. Number three, it generates further questions producing deeper study. Let me ask this question. Have you ever read something and you thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. I know, I must have read that before, but I don't, re I don't remember what it means. Is, has anybody ever done this before? And as you're reading it, you start thinking, I wonder if it's mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. And you start doing studies. And it leads you over to this passage. And that passage leads you to this passage. And that passage leads you over here. And you say, oh, this makes sense. I see the line going through. It generates further questions producing deeper study. Number four, discipleship, it creates accountability for you. Once again, when you know that you're going to meet with somebody on Tuesday evening, you're a little more likely to get in God's Word and answer the questions that, you've been put, that have been put in front of you. It creates a natural accountability for you. Because you know that you're going to be meeting with somebody, and you're going to get into diving in God's Word all over again, and you're going to learn some things. But it creates a natural accountability for you. Number five, it will help you grow becoming more equipped for the Lord's work. It will help you grow. Anybody arrived yet? Anybody know everything yet? Anybody got it all figured out? Not me. I had a, one of my professors in college who had five earned doctorates in various aspects of theology. And I'm thinking to myself, my brain is just fried just even thinking about that. But here's what really astounds me. Is that there's actually five areas of theology you can earn a doctorate in. And more. And you get to the point, I asked Dr. Gilbert Braithwaite, I said, you ever feel like you got it all figured out? And he goes, man, and he goes, there's so much I don't know. He goes, why do you think I kept becoming a student? After I finished one degree, I went to another degree, I went to another degree. He goes, I just didn't know enough. Secretly, that's called a lifer, but, but there's so much to know, and I know there's so much I don't know. But it will help you grow, becoming more equipped for the Lord's work. And then number six, it will help the church become stronger. It will help the church become stronger. Let me just say this. There are so many times throughout church history and church life, we all know somebody like this, what I'm about to share. We all know somebody who was here for a while, and then somebody said something, and they're out of here. Anybody know anybody like that? And now all of a sudden, the church, quote-unquote, the church did this, and the church said that. No, it wasn't the church. It was somebody in the church who said something they probably shouldn't have said. Or it was you taking, wearing everything right here on your, on your shirt sleeve, getting upset about something that you needed to hear but didn't want to hear. What does the Word of God do in those situations? It helps us to look honestly at what's being said. 
to be like the Bereans who search the Scriptures daily to see if what is said is so. Um, being in the Word helps us become stronger because now all of a sudden I'm being honest about what God's Word says I need to be honest about. And it's not just so-and-so saying something that maybe, maybe they did say it out of place. Maybe they didn't say it right. But what they said was truth to it. And I need to take it in and learn from it and grow. The more people in this church that are in the Word of God growing, the stronger this church will become to overcome the attacks of the devil in the world and holding each other accountable to walk the life that God has called us to walk. To learn the Word in a way that would be pleasing to Him. So many benefits of discipleship. We'll say, what happens when I get through discipleship and I get through these lessons? There's always more to learn. It's just a starting point. But here's the deal. The word go in Matthew 28, 19 is for all of us. Make disciples is for all of us. So that's not my spiritual gift. Don't blow it off that way. That's the easy out. Who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Over the next part of the year, what we're hoping and praying to do in this church is to see every one of us, every one of us, go through discipleship. And to apply the Word of God the best way we know how so that we can become stronger in our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ. Several months ago, as I said in the beginning, I asked the question, how many of you had somebody take the Word of God and help you get grounded in your faith when you came to faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Only like four of you raised your hand. What that means is, we've got some learning to do. We've got some digging to do. We've got some memorization to do. There's some things to that we have to take in and make part of our lives. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you that opportunity. Let me tell you what happened in the church that I was ordained in several years ago. In fact, 22 years ago in April, I was ordained to the gospel ministry. And the church that I was ordained in had a discipleship ministry. And let me just say, it's not a program. Programs start and finish. Discipleship is a way of life. In that church... We ran, I think, somewhere between 150, 175 when we got there. And we implemented discipleship in that ministry. And we said, we want everybody in this entire church to have a general idea, a general grounding in the Word of God. And pretty soon, discipleship started taking place. It was these two couples and these two couples in their home on this night. And it was this man with this man over here. And it was this lady with this lady over here. And, you know, this little small group with that small group over there in their home on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights or Saturday mornings. But discipleship started to take root in the church at Bible Baptist. It changed my life. It changed the life of many people within that body. But something happened about two years into the process. Two to three years into the process... Everybody in the church that was willing to go through discipleship had gone through it. What do you suppose happened after that? How, how, how can we keep discipleship going if, if everybody's already been through it in our church? Some of you have got your wheels turning. You see, 
the first part of that verse really started taking effect. The goal. As you are going, and as people were getting discipled, more people were going out. More people were being discipled. Or brought to the saving knowledge of Christ. More people were being discipled. More people were going out. More people were coming to Christ. More people were being discipled. And pretty soon, what was starting to take place inside the body of Christ really started to branch outside the body of Christ. In obedience to evangelization, soul winning, and also in the churches started to blossom. We had more leaders, more people serving, more people being discipled and going through discipleship or teaching discipleship. The church became very, very strong. Let me ask you a question. Is that a bad thing? Oh, but you know who it requires to make it work? Uh oh, Pastor, am I going to be required to do something here? No, I'll never put a gun to any one of your heads to do anything. But I hope you catch the vision of it. I hope you catch a burden for it. As I said, there's nothing magical about 16 lessons we put together, just some basic stuff. The Word of God is our foundation, lesson one. Lesson two, what is biblical salvation? Number three, what is eternal security and assurance? Number four, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a new believer? Then we go into areas of obedience, stewardship. How do I deal with conflict when somebody in the church really royally ticks me off? God addresses that. Did you know that? It'll help you grow. So I want you to pray about it. How does God want to use you in a ministry of discipleship? And they say, it's not a program. Not a program. Program start and finish. But when it comes to the Word of God, that goes on forever. Learning and growing. And let me just tell you, there is nothing more exciting than to get in the Word of God and let the Word of God impact your life. I'm just telling you, it's the most exciting thing ever. Some of you need to get that taste and realize how good it is. God's Word says, taste and see how good it is. But you've never disciplined yourself through that. So over the next couple of months, we're going to be offering some opportunities to get involved. On the back, there is a sign-up on the back wall. Say, I want, to be, I, want to, I want to go through discipleship. I want to get grounded in the Word of God. I want, to, I want to know the basics of our faith as a believer. So we'll offer three different opportunities, I think, Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, and Saturday mornings. Some of you ladies are already involved in two, Saturday mornings. That's fine. Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. Wednesday night has a group that's already meeting here with the worship team and they have a study. That's fine. But we want to give opportunities, many opportunities, so that all of us can get through it. And the hopes of it is this, is that once you go through it, you'll take someone else through it. And then when you get done with that person, you'll find another one and they'll find another one. And the process of multiplication can go forward. I hope you'll see that vision. Because until our church becomes grounded in our faith, and you say, are we not grounded, Pastor? No, I think there's always room for improvement. Always room for improvement. There's always things to learn, amen? So I got all that done. Then humor me and go through it again. And submit yourself to the authority of God's Word and get involved in it.
Nothing magical about the material. It's us getting into the Word and making it a practice in our life. My question to you, and I hope you'll answer it, is will you take up the challenge? Will you get involved? I'd love to see every person in this church, without exception, go through it. Ephesians 4.16 says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith. Does that mean that I'm never going to you know, disagree with anyone else in the body? No. No, I'll disagree with you on some things, and you'll disagree with me on some things. But generally speaking, we want to be on the same page as the body of Christ. Will you take that challenge? I trust you will. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning to receive the challenge of discipleship. It's such a basic challenge with so many benefits for the body of Christ. And I ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts concerning it. Lord God, that you would allow us to see a vision and take up the burden and carry the mantle of discipleship within this body. God, would you work in our hearts. Lord, there are many in this congregation who have already admitted they've never been discipled. They've never been truly grounded in their faith, though they may have been faithful to church. They've never really truly been grounded and taught to look into the Word of God and to learn what you have for us as far as our Christian faith. God, would you speak to our hearts this morning? Would you challenge us, Lord, to not only just see a reason for it, but God, to say, I want to get involved with it. So God, would you challenge our hearts? Convict us, Lord of our need to get in the Word, to study it, to apply it, to live it out. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just a simple question this morning.